Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. With me, thankfully, because I'm having a very, very bad day, bad mood already, I had to bring in a, a psychologist to podcast, so I, I get some therapy today, but uh, Dr. Steve Wood in Texas. Dr. Wood, Steve, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Bill? Well, we already kind of know how I'm miserable. Doing. I'm miserable. I'm out of my mind because I keep reading articles from experts who are what law professors that either have never tried a case or haven't tried a case in 30 years telling the American public what the causes are of nuclear verdicts. I mean, I study this for a living. You study this for a living. And I read the articles and they're coming up with all these crazy ideas. Listen, you're the social psychologist, but w- so the, the hypothesis out there, I'm going to call it a myth at best is social inflation, social inflation. I mean, God, we're, you know, we're, we're paying quarterbacks 40 million. And what, what's the Mahomes contract? For, oh, it's called uh, 500 million. Yeah, it's $500 million. So are, our verdicts in Kansas City like elevated because of Mahomes' contract. You see my point here. What What are your thoughts on this this whole concept of blaming society for high verdicts when in reality the defense bar is just pretty much getting their teeth kicked in in the courtroom? Yeah, I think one of the things from a human perspective is that people try to draw causation. They try to make rational explanations out of things that are happening. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, not necessarily fully thought out or it's not really necessarily data based and it's yeah. more kind of anecdotal evidence. And but it makes us feel good. Right. It makes us yeah. feel good that we can point our finger on it and say, this is the reason. And this is the reason why things are happening. So it helps us sleep better at night. So I think it's really human nature to try to find something to blame or something to help explain why things are happening. Exactly. And so here's so here's my counterpoint. <laughs> which I tell these people and they, they get mad at me. And I just, I just don't care because I'm a scientist. You're a scientist. I'm just tired of this, this stuff flying around. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, if, if social inflation, right? If, if that caused nuclear verdicts, wouldn't the plaintiff win every time? And the defense has no chance, correct? Right. So, I mean, if that's really a causational relationship, so in other words, when the defense wins, how do you explain social, like where was social inflation on that day, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. so, so going forward here, I mean, some of the things that I think, and I'd like you to comment on this going forward is uh, the way you win trials is you beat your opposition. This is, I mean, again, it's like another analogy to social inflation thing. It's like saying, well, the Patriots were really good for 20 years and, and they, and because they had the best fans. Right. Well, no, no. <laughs> they had Tom Brady. They had a really good coach. They put together a really good team, but like, but things like, like, like what are your thoughts as far as, you know, as far as, you know, doing research on your case earlier in the case, maybe via, a focus group or a mock trial to actually figure out, do I have a nuclear verdict on my hands or, or not? What are some of your thoughts about doing actual science to figure out what's going to happen in my case, rather than waiting for society to, to figure it out for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a strong proponent, obviously, just from a data research perspective of 
doing the research early in a case and getting a, your head around what are the themes and what are the pain points and what are the areas that we need to work on rather than waiting till after deposition or waiting till you're on the eve of trial having to realize, oh, now we need to switch gears and, and find out whether or not our themes work. And I think some of the times it can be frustrating though because a lot of clients don't want to actually pay for the research, which I guess makes sense because they have it within budget. But at the same time, there's, there's ways you can do it and cheaper ways you can do it. But I think to go into a case without having any sort of sense of what jurors think prior to is, is a recipe for disaster just on its face, not necessarily related to social influence, but just from a lack of preparedness standpoint. I, I totally agree. So I have a client call me. And they're like, well, we, we're thinking about doing a focus group on our case. I go, okay. Uh, so I kind of ran them down. The, and I'm like, well, when, when do you want to do this? They're like, well, if the case doesn't settle, we're going to go forward with this. And I said, excuse me? They said, oh, maybe you didn't hear it. Maybe we have a bad connection. If the case doesn't settle, we're going to do our research on this case. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, what? why would you do the research after your settlement attempt failed? I mean, it isn't, I mean, from a scientific, I mean, Steve, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, both the PhDs here, but isn't it better to have your answers before your negotiation for settlement? Yeah. And, and I've, I've even heard from, I've talked to clients before where they've used the information that we've gotten from a focus group or from the mock trials in their settlement negotiations you know, to go in there to have at least a baseline of where they know their numbers are at versus going in there blind and having plaintiff counsel negotiate a number that is extremely high that the defense could then interact with is extremely high. And here's the reason why I have data to show jurors would never go to that, give you that much at yeah. trial versus just saying, hey, we don't agree with that. It's too high. And then and then moving on and then your settlement negotiations fall apart. It just makes no sense. I mean, the, the jury research costs what it cost. I, whether you did it a month ago or whether you do it, then the, it doesn't matter. It, the, the cost is the cost. I think the timing is really <clears throat> important. Um, so, yeah, so it's a Friday. It's a, it's a, I, I'm going to label this the frustrating Friday because I, I woke up angry. Woke, I woke up angry. And the other anger part I have about today, which again, I'm just, that's why I brought you in for this podcast. Everybody's blaming millennial jurors. Like, like these people are the cause of all of our problems in this country. They're the cause of all of our problems in the courtroom. And you talk to any trial attorney in the defense bar, like these damn millennials, I don't like them. I don't trust them. And they're the cause of all this mess. And I'm thinking, where are you coming up with this stuff? Steve, can you talk a little bit about your research and experience with millennial jurors? I mean, yeah, they may be anti-corporation, gee, go figure, but they're not lighting up the scoreboard like people think they are, are they? No, I think millennials tend to get a bad rap as far as that goes. You know, yeah. a lot of times you hear people talk about they have a higher sense of entitlement, uh, don't necessarily understand the value of a dollar and all these different things that work against the idea that they're going to light up the scoreboard, as you say. But no, I mean, we have, we've seen, we've seen some, but I wouldn't necessarily say though, if you were going to jury selection and you had a millennial that you would automatically strike them because you're going to believe that they're going to go and, and help with the nuclear verdict. You're right. You know, 
because uh, we've seen before where we've seen some of the most uh, the most argumentative or the angriest jurors tend to be someone who might be more of the baby boomer age or somebody who might be more in the you know early 50s. Gen Xer. I'm an angry Gen Xer if you couldn't figure that out. I want to award a high damages. But yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, and we can kind of wrap up here on this point, is I think that every, you, you see these verdicts and people are worried. I get that. And they, they want answers. And right. so again, they start connecting these dots, you know, from a causation standpoint, trying to make sense of this. Um, and it's not really helping. Like there's no solutions here because really social inflation, I mean, by definition is, yeah, society, you know, you know, they're tired, they're tired of corporations. They're tired of this. They're tired of that. And you got these jurors that are fed up and they're going to, you know, uh, it's wealth distribution and they're going to equal the score here. And they're going to, they're going to, they're coming out and they're just fed up with Steve, isn't it true that, I mean, jurors have been angry for, what, 50 years? Yeah. <laughs> it's a new concept about juror anger. I mean, you know, everybody's like, oh, jurors are really angry now. And I'm like, uh, can look back at, like, 1982, 1983, 1984. You've got crazy, crazy verdicts back then. And even back then, I mean, we're talking, this is, like, 30, 35 years ago. Jurors were upset. I mean... I've seen many of uh, verdicts, which in our mock trials, where cool, calm, logical people are talking about $250 million. I mean, isn't it true that, I mean, anger may be one component, right? But it's not the one thing driving nuclear verdicts, is it? No, I wouldn't say it. it's it's purely purely anger no i mean i think a lot of times in situations you can have rational human beings yeah. who view the evidence objectively and see you know that that the case is worth 250 million depending on what it is and like i said i don't think it's necessarily someone coming in there pissed off that wants to send a message i mean there yeah. is some components of that it, there is some components of that in there but it's not necessarily the end-all be-all yeah and, and you know, in the end which is funny because when you when you read all the plaintiff attorney articles that are matching all these social inflation articles, the plaintiff's bar is they're actually correct. They're like, you guys are full of it. Like, what do you what the heck are you talking about? Social inflation? No, we're just beating you badly is what we're doing. We're we're giving better opening statements. Our witnesses are more prepared. We're anchoring damages. Boom. Completely different podcast, meaning we are outmaneuvering you at every level of litigation and you're going to go blame society. You're going to blame the jury when we're beating you. I mean, isn't that what's happening here? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously the, the plaintiff's bar has done a really good job as yes, far as being collaborative with each other, sharing information and really honing their skills. I mean, I've, I've sat in on podcasts where it's just plaintiff attorneys going and saying, what better way can we do to smash the defense bar? Yeah. And it's them bouncing ideas off of each other. So rather than trying to keep things to themselves and keeping things, you know, secret from each other, they're, they're, how can we work together to basically to destroy the defense bar? And the defense bar gathers together and says, these damn millennial jerks, they are. <laughs> I mean, but this is the absurdity in the life that we live. 
Dr. Speedwood, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast today. I think we're going to rattle several of these out over the next couple of weeks to end the year strong because I know this and you know this because you, you, you were on that seminar. In fact, before we wrap up, t- tell our audience essentially what the plan as far as big plan is for 2001. I know what the plan is, but they, they pretty much announced it. Tell, tell our audience what the plaintiff's bar intention is for 2021. The best way to sum it up, and it was actually Sean Claggett who said it, was we're going to start smashing verdicts as we come out of COVID. So that's, that's what their plan is. Meaning they're already, they, they've been getting nuclear verdicts, right? And now the plan is to actually ramp it up. To, I mean, I don't know what the word is above nuclear, but that's what their plan is. So everybody needs to stay tuned. And Dr. Wood and I will stay on this and give you all of our observations. Steve, thank you so much. Uh, We'll come back here uh, next week and do another one. Everybody else, thank you so much for uh, being part of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Dr. Bill Kanaski, Dr. Steve Wood, see you next time.